This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com. Please welcome Chairman and CEO for Accor, Sebastian Bazan, in conversation with Skift hospitality reporter Cameron Spearman. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hi Sebastian, how are you? Cameron, good to see you. So I'm succeeding to Glenn Fogel. Wow, <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Pre- pressure's on, pressure's on. Um, so thank Cheers. you for joining us. <laughs> um, so we are going to be talking about uh, topics that are pretty big in a core's orbit. Luxury, ultra luxury hotels, lifestyle, and uh, maybe a sprinkle of sustainability at the end there. But um, do you mind if we start with the basics? Because anytime I write a story about y'all, everyone without fail will ask, what is a lifestyle hotel? So, so how do y'all define it? I think we have uh, probably many definitions, even within Accor. Um, my simple answer to this, which I've been telling to the owners, you become a lifestyle hotel if you become a destination on your own, i.e. more than 50% of your revenues of that site comes from local community. Meaning they're gonna be coming, spending two hours, spending the day, having a coffee, inviting people for the restaurant, uh, meeting somebody. That means you're part of the local community. That means you know how to socialize, interact, care for others, that's a lifestyle destination. Of course, add design, volume, quirky, funky, make something out of it if you want. But this is a bit different from what has been done for the last 50 years where before, less than 20% of all the hotels on this, on this planet have revenues from local communities and we know why. So it's time to shift your mindset and finally cater for the guy who lives next door. That's a lifestyle hotel. So last year- and it could be- segment. I don't want anybody to tell me lifestyle is only for 150 couple $100 a night. That's not true. You can have a very nice lifestyle hotel at uh, 30 or $60 a night. Uh, but that guy is going to be coming in from next door. He's not going to be sleeping over. So is this like a concept that's maybe even bleeding into some of your brands that aren't traditionally considered a, a lifestyle hotel? I think some of the legacy brands of our core should have uh, a lifestyle component. They should now rethink their own offer. They have to probably reshuffle the space, reinvent the F&B menu. And again, they should also cater uh, for the local guys. It's probably going to be more difficult because you haven't thought about it from scratch. But of course they can do it. And I hope they will succeed. And I'm, I'm pushing to get all the best practices from the 21C Mama Shelter, Hoxton of the world, Mama Shelter, to make sure that one window works could be incorporated into an Ibis Novotel Mercure. Why not? Great. Last year, Accor had a pretty significant corporate restructuring where ultra-luxury lifestyle and lifestyle hotels became kind of their own independent divisions. Um, On your earnings calls, you talk about how sort of the the relationship with those owners is a little bit different. They want a little bit more attention. But as far as Accor's future, I mean, should we also view this as those are the two segments where you expect to see the most growth coming for the next couple of years? Well, you know, Cameron, I've been... I've been at the helm of this company for the last 10 years and I've been trying to wake up a sleeping giant. 
which ACO has been for a number of years. So, and, and I decided eight years ago to go asset light, and it took me five years of pain. And we finally done it, thank God, on December 19th, that was right on time, uh, pre-pandemic, and then decided that we should be moving away uh, from Europe, which was 80% of our core eight years ago, now it's 42%, and moving away from eco mid scale to go into upper upscale lifestyle, lifestyle luxury, which is today 60% of any new sightings comes from brands we did not have five years ago. Um, but it's uh, when I say this, I, I still grow and I pay a lot of attention to the legacy brands, uh, the eco mid scale, because this is my engine. Uh, when I go to emerging countries, whether it is in South America or Southeast Asia or Africa, those brands are extremely valuable because they are reassuring. We know what works. It's very good return for the investor. So the, the more developed is a country, then you could be audacious and daring going to lifestyle. But it's not one against the other. Uh, the good news about today, there is no empty hole that I want to fill. I knew exactly what I wanted to build. Now the job is not entirely done, otherwise I'd be bored. Uh, but it's close enough to have the perfect right, the perfect portfolio, the perfect brand segment, and the perfect geography. I wish I can be much bigger in America. Uh, we tried and we failed. That was proud to me. So that's, uh, that's a real fact. I want to walk down memory lane a little bit to last year at Skiff Global Forum. You, you t mentioned to one of my colleagues that 90% of revenue came from, from just 10 brands. Um, Accor has 40. So I, I'm curious if all this growth potential in lifestyle, are, are we going to begin to see maybe less of a revenue concentration around those 10 brands you mentioned last year? Uh, the answer is yes. Otherwise, I'm doing a lousy job. Uh, so as of today, probably it's 80% uh, from those same 10 brands. And let's meet again in three years, that 80% will be 60%. Uh, the lifestyle alone, the 13 brands we assembled together through that newly set up company called Anysmore, run out of London, uh, those brands represent less than 2% of my room count today. Uh, they represent 5% of my fee volume. And for the last 24 months, they represent 30% of the fee stream for the next uh, years ahead of me, and likely probably going to go up to 40%. So de facto, and of course, we didn't have at the time Raffles, Fairmont, Orient Express, and the like. So uh, those same 10 brands will represent probably 60 or 50% in three or four years. But, but keep growing. I'm not, again, I'm the, the, anybody who wants to believe that I guess I'm no longer grow Ibis, Novotel, and Mercure, are severely mistaken. So I don't want to bore you with a brand bloat question, but I mean, are the brands you have today enough or are you going to keep adding more? Any holes in, in the network? No, there's no holes in the network, but doesn't mean I'm going to stop because I'm, I, every day I'm learning something new and I know that I guess I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to respond to a new needs and the needs of tomorrow are very different from the one of and you have to be agile, and Aqua has been probably more daring than other hotel companies, and that's pretty good that way. As far as building out more, and I mean, like, continuing, as you mentioned, with the uh, Ennismore spinoff with Lifestyle, I mean, like, what's the lender appetite for, for these types of hotels? If <clears throat> this is a relatively new concept, I mean, are they, are they willing to take the risk and, and finance these projects? 60% of all the hotels we signed per year, which is roughly 400 to 500 hotels we sign every year, new hotel. 
50% of those signings are made of existing owners relationship. And two thirds of my existing owners are interested to go in lifestyle. And many of them, of course, have no lifestyle hotels. So they are extremely happy that through the trusted relationship of our cohort that's been built over the last 20 years, we actually feed them with new lifestyle brand or new luxury brand that we didn't, never really had the capacity to offer before. So um, don't you worry again. There is, uh, you've seen it with, uh, with the pricing of our friend at Soho House. You've seen it with the pricing of Four Seasons, uh, which is probably scary if you want to actually uh, think about it uh, for the next two or three years. There, there is plenty of money in the world chasing hospitality, whether it's debt or whether it's equity, probably more so than needed. Great, great. I was also going to ask, I mean, along with that lifestyle spin out with Innismore, Accor announced plans to sponsor a corporate SPAC earlier this year. I mean, how's that going to fit into to all of this? Different team, different team. It shouldn't be a distraction. It's not a distraction. I am the non-exec chairman of that SPAC. It is run by Amir Nahai, which is a former food and beverage uh, executive member of Accor, but he left Accor. So he's now fully dedicated to the SPAC. Um, and his uh, ACO is a 20% shareholder in the SPAC, and we are kind of actually the GP, and all the, all the investors are actually uh, passive investors. And it's up to him. Amir is on the hunt. Uh, he's talking to probably a lot of actually food and beverage, wellness, wellness sorry, tech-related players. And whenever he's ready, he's going to come back to the board with our chair, and then I'll be the devil advocate and tell him whether it's the right endeavor or the bad endeavor. The only thing which is meaningful for me, there is a space for a lot of existing independent family-led branded players where they could benefit of those 500 hotels we sign every year. People don't realize it, but it would be true as well for Hilton, Marriott, and all my good friends. That means that I guess it's probably a couple hundred spa operators that you have to sign every year. And that means probably over 700 restaurants named that you have to fill in to fill in into the new hotel you sign. So the turbocharging aspect of our core to help a family-led business, very credible in one geography, and help him grow in South America or in Asia if he's not there, it's actually not tough for us. So it's, uh, it's just um, common sense. But, but, but believe me, that's not my turf until they bring me the ideas and I'll say yes or no. Until then, uh, he's hunting on his own, as he should. I was going to ask, too, I mean, the timing of it, you do have here in the U.S. a lot of people saying the SPAC bubble got overheated. I, I mean, like, how do you address those concerns that it's become too heated of a market? It's, uh, it's Cameron, it's actually very easy. First, you address it before you raise the money. Because if you don't have the right pitch, don't you worry. People are no fool. They're never going to give you a dime. The only mega difference between our core SPAC and any private equity-led SPAC we bring a network of 5,000 hotels, we bring 11,000 restaurants, and we bring up capacity to grow. So we don't only bring money and our brain, we bring the, the 50 years history of a group like Accor to be able to speed and scale for any other brand which is not part of Accor ecosystem. That's something that many of the SPAC don't have because it's led by individual. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying you, we are rather different. So, shifting gears a little bit, this week, uh, Accor joined the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance. Um, Europe is generally seen, though, as further ahead with regards to sustainability than 
some of your competitors in the U.S. So, I mean, how should we read this news? What are you going to be doing that, that you're not already um, doing in this realm? Well, you lost five years with the former government, so that's why you're late. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's been part of our core DNA since um, 1978. And you know why? It's because Arco by far is the largest hotel operator in 110 countries in thousands of different small, remote, tertiary, secondary cities. And Arco is 83% a hotel manager. So all the employees actually work for the same big entity. And 98% of Arco is authorities given in the hands of local, whether they are in Nigeria or in Sri Lanka or in Chile. So by definition, since we have been opening so many doors. We have a true responsibility for the last 30 years. And we know that, I guess, when we hire one guy from Sri Lanka, four guys of his family depends on us. And you'd better think ahead of how many water you're going to be consuming, how you're going to be doing the procurement, and what's going to be the carbon emission, what should you be doing with human rights, how should you be a social elevator. People don't see it, but I keep saying it. We hire every year 80,000 new people. 50,000 for the newly opened hotel, 30,000, which is 10% of the turnover, which I lose every year, which is normal. So, BME, we know quite a bit when it comes to how to be respectful of the local academy, local education, local government, local craftsmanship. This is part of our DNA for the last 40 years. We just have to be methodological. We have to explain it. We have to be not gimmicky about it. And we have to give proofs of it to tomorrow morning, the rating agency and my investors. But I'm not reinventing anything. I'm just putting things in order that people could visualize it. So, no, we're not late. We've been probably 20 years in the game already, at least. But it's, uh, which is why I'm saying it not with passion. It is, it is adding up a lot of different pieces. Some of those are really social related, as I talked about, but it includes diversity, inclusiveness, and many other things. Some of it is biodiversity. Some of it is energy related. So you add up everything and then just make sense out of it and be proud about it. Definitely. And yeah, that and comes along with financing. You're going to see Aqua has been doing a lot of green financing on those premises, and Aqua will continue going to those lenders with that green element, which is what people are looking for now. Do you see it getting to the point, I mean, is it going to be a massive undertaking to go retrofit older properties? Do you have to start considering things of like where you even want to locate a property if you're having this sustainability conversation? That's a very good point. I have, we hired a former French government minister, uh, Brune Poisson. She just joined in a few months ago, and she already been telling me in a very blunt way. She says, Sebastian, I'm, I'm telling you in my new job as chief sustainability officer, I will probably stop you from developing virgin land in the new hotel because this is exactly what we should not be doing. Is it going to be decreasing my level of openings? I doubt it. But is she right in advocating this? Of course she is. So it's, uh, it, it is certainly today, even though we've done it the last 30 years, no question I'm putting additional pressure on my developers by telling them, don't go for volume. Go for where it makes sense for the local ecosystem. And yeah, we've been probably stopping deals more so than we have done before, including myself. I was, uh, I was last week um, in the south of Europe. I won't tell you where. And um, I went by foot for two and a half hours on the site. And that deal won't happen because this is not a location in which, which is virgin land. We should not be sacrificing that land. 
Good to hear. Um, I, I do want to look at what we have you for just the last couple of minutes, future outlook. Um, in, in recent weeks, you have some of your US-based competitors signaling that uh, they want to get into Europe a little bit more. Um, how do you defend the home turf? They they They've been crushing me in America. Uh, <laughs> in China. I won't crush them because Europe is big, but I'm not going to make it easy for them, which is fine. I just uh, let's occupy our own space. That being said, you know, Cameron, I I've been spending a lot of time now over the last eight years with uh, whether uh, it was formerly, of course, uh, Arnie and now with Chris and Tony and uh, and Mark. Uh, there is I'm not saying that viciously. There is a lot of respect in between uh, the different groups. Yeah, of course, we hunt probably in some territories. But from my prior life, when I was in banking, investment banking, private equity, yeah, we've been boxing against one another. That's not the case in hospitality. There is, I think, the generosity, the kindness, and caring for others is probably part of the DNA of each company, which means that respect and admiration makes it that there is space for everybody. I wish it can make me a bigger space in America. Uh, that being said, everybody's welcome. That's fine. Real quick, you only have a couple of seconds left. I mean, I have to ask, fall outlook into next year? I mean, Delta variant obviously is delaying the return of business travel. What's your take and when can you see some meaningful recovery? Uh, probably sooner than people expect. I've been, uh, I was smiling when, uh, when Glenn was referring to uh, Gregoire and the golden age that's going to come back and Brian Chersky saying it. I think they're right. It's the envy for discovering the world, to socialize, to finally breathe and to open the doors, the windows, and to go and being able to work at the same time from any places on this planet makes our industry as blessed as it was before. And, you know, we know today vaccination works. And the only thing we have to be very careful about is that people have access to hospital if needed and don't die in hospital. But whether you have a severe flu for three days, we're going to be able to overcome this. So, no, count on me. The days of tomorrow are going to be rather different. But that's going to be fun days. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Sebastian, a pleasure. Our time is up. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.